Alright guys, welcome to the live version of Citizens. Uh, we hope uh, that you are cozy up in your homes watching the snow. Not really watching us, actually. Uh, we decided to take a moment from our living room, rather the Cassis living room, and uh, answer the Q&A's that we talked about. So we're right at the end of our Carry On series, um, which is our series about what to do as we are heading towards marriage or people that are interested in marriage or what does it look like to be a godly man a godly woman and the whole idea is that maybe these things we don't need them now we're middle schoolers we're high schoolers but we have a carry-on bag and they need certain things as we get to the end of our journey um, so we've been talking about some hard truths we've been talking about some really important truths from the bible and we want to just answer some questions that maybe didn't get answered throughout the weeks so that's what we're here Let's uh, introduce our panel. So these guys are going to tell you their name and the best, the best Christmas movie of all time. I'm Sam, youth pastor at Citizens. Um, been here for two years, and this is obviously not a right or, uh, or this is obviously not an opinion question. It's a right or wrong. And so the all-time best Christmas movie is without a doubt Home Alone. So. I mean, you got the little kid, you have adventure, you have the plot, you have the criminals, it's, it's the best. Easy. Done. I'm Jordan Cassis, and I'm here to disprove that fact. Because White Christmas is obviously the best Christmas movie of all time. Um, I'm Kira, and, uh, sorry, I have to go with classic. Uh, I love A Year Without a Santa Claus because it has an Elvis Presley song in it. So, <laughs> Elvis is not dead. The only Elvis Christmas song. The only one that I, I will have a blue Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I'm Courtney, and the one Christmas movie that I absolutely cannot have Christmas without is A Muppet's Christmas Carol. <laughs> the best. Hi, I'm Kayla, and I think the best Christmas movie is Hello Dolly. It's not a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas the movie. The best movie ever, and I watch it every Christmas. That is my Christmas movie. That's why this is not movie. an opinion. This is a right or wrong. I think that is factual. I will debate that. It's not a Christmas movie. It happens in the middle of summertime. But I watch it at Christmas. In Hawaii, it's always summer, just oh, to be fair. So that's true. Malik, like, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chelsea, and um, I would say the best Christmas movie is Miracle on 34th Street. I oh. love that movie. Mm. It's a really good one. I'm Chad, and the best Christmas movie is definitely The Holiday. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. yes! Why? Just the right amount of tension so and twists in between the characters. And Jack Black! True or false? I want you to tell these people on, on live television here. Do you cry when you watch the holiday? I don't cry during the holiday. Have you ever cried during the holiday? Not during the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Oh man, okay. I am a huge fan of that. So, uh, again, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are closing up our Carry On series with Citizens with our Q&A live on Facebook instead of live in person. So, that's what we're doing. Before we get into the Q&As, we're going to play a little bit of a Christmas game. So, the game. I'm going to give a Christmas movie quote. 
and these lovely folks have to guess it. Now, uh, will you demonstrate the polar bear here? Hold the, the polar bear, okay? Uh, they have to be the first to grab the polar bear and then answer the question and answer it correctly. If they answer it incorrectly, someone can steal the polar bear and answer correctly for the points. Okay, are we ready? Do we have to tackle a person that's holding the polar bear? <laughs> what do we get with our points? Uh, there's lots of Christmas cookies. Maybe you get a cookie per point. Cookies for the winner! Yay! Alright. Quote number one. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building and loan! What? What? Oh, um, um... Get over! Wait, no, I'm not sure! Hello, doll! Things in the world are the things we can't see. 
Oh, is that what? Oh, really? Is that the Polar Express? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you say that one? Yes. Bible? I did. You're saying, what are some things to consider? Yeah. Ooh, I feel like we just dove in fast. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> refusing to acknowledge their faults. Ooh. Mm hmm. I would say uh, refusing to be under some sort of authority. Mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about that later, but. Um, that is so good because I was gonna say authority. Great mindset, luck. They're yeah. they're in tune over there. They're also mm -hmm. married, so mm -hmm. both yeah. under authority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say somebody who is lazy, mm -hmm. somebody who um, is just you know even if they're like that in in the relationship or if they're like that in their job or in their life, whether or not they're excited about you in that moment, yeah, if they're just generous. Yes. Someone who's sense. choosing to be a child instead of an adult. Mm -hmm. So yes. immaturity. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a difference between being goofy and choosing to be a child. Then that makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the who. When you're looking at the who, anybody who's not ready for the when mm -hmm. is not the right who. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh, that's a good. Point. And so a lot of times we even we think about like, is that a good person? Is that a good person? Is it the right time? And so if it's not the right time, the right person at the wrong time at the wrong person, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. a good point. That's true. So on the panel today, we've got, uh, we're sandwiched by a married couple, and then uh, two married couples. They're not, that would be weird. <laughs> and then the rest of us here in the middle are singles. Uh, 
And uh, so we have a few questions related to these. So first, to the married people, um, what is your favorite part about being married? And then what mm. is the hardest part about being married? Hmm. I would say my favorite part about being married is um, you always have someone in your corner that you can bounce ideas off of and that you can just be open with and, and don't worry about how they're going to judge you know, your thoughts and, and your opinions. Hmm. Man, I'll, I'll dive into the hardest part. You know, when you're, when you're single, when you're in middle school and high school, you, you kind of romanticize marriage. It's like, man, when I get married, I'm going to arrive, and my life is going to be bigger and better and perfect. And, and really what you're saying is it's going to be about me, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have something that's going good for me. Mm -hmm. But I think the hardest part for marriage has been learning to die to yourself mm -hmm. and really realizing that you've committed to being selfless for the rest of your life and yeah. to putting somebody else's priorities above mm -hmm. your own. And so, and so marriage is great, but I think it's those moments where – don't want to die to yourself and you find yourself wanting to make it about you and you have another person that's there to remind you, hey, you promised, you know, mm -hmm. you said your vows yeah. and uh, I'm going to hold you to that. So that's, that's been a humbling and hard for us. Yeah, yeah I guess um, being married, it's, it's great to have someone uh, that can like, you can learn more about God with, that you can draw closer to Christ with and, um, you know, you can do that as a single in a community, and it's just nice to have that community with you. That's that someone's there as your life partner to do that with. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, my favorite I think is the the partnership, <clears throat> being able to do life together with someone like you guys are saying, and just like the safety of that relationship. But then that's probably also the hardest part because you know you're not just spending your own money, you know, you have somebody else looking in on that. You're not just, you know, doing your own schedule and meeting up with your own friends. You have somebody else relying on you too. So, um, it's, you know, give and take. So, yeah. I think another fun part, another great part is the joy of getting to see another person grow, you know, and I think anybody like single or, or married, we all have friends that we, we cheer and we go, yeah, they've grown. Yeah. They're, they're making better decisions or they're becoming more Christ-like. But when you're married and you're seeing someone um, as close to you as your spouse, when you're seeing them grow, that brings joy. And then not only that, but knowing that you've had a part in potentially helping them grow. Yeah. Um, hopefully more often than not, it's actively helping them and not, you know, I'm causing you to be more patient because of my stupidity. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I help my wife grow that way. But, um, but, th but there's something sweet to, to, at every season of life to be like, man, we're growing, we're maturing. Yeah. And, uh, and to just admire that and see that beauty in another person. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, so let's pose a question, similar question, but to uh, those who are s single. Um, what is your favorite part uh, about your station of life, and what is the hardest part? Um, I think for, for me, it would be the different sides of the same coin. I love my independence. I love being able to come and go as I please and not have to check in, or, you know, if I want to pick up and move across the country like I'm not worried about who I'm leaving behind or who I need to convince to come with me so I love my independence but then on the opposite end of that um intimacy you know for for anyone any relationship that you have with um friends or family there's only so far that you can go until you've got that cap 
of intimacy. Um, whereas with a spouse, you're able to travel through all of life together, which is something that's very, very special and unique. And um, I don't know, I just feel like that's something, because I've not experienced that or I've only ever seen on the outside, um, I feel like that's definitely something that I not struggle with, but I know in, in myself as a single person that I don't get to experience. So being just outside of that, I think, mm -hmm. outside of that level of intimacy. Hmm. I think mine's kind of related to that um, of independence, kind of freedom, but not like freedom in like an immature way that I can do whatever I want. Um, but like um, the space that I have in my life to be available, to be a help to mm -hmm. whoever, you know, that like, you know, last October I got to, you know, I got to go to Haiti and I didn't have to question like, oh, who do I need to, you know, work this out with? Like I could just go or, or like when people call me up and they're like, hey, can you watch my house? Can you watch my dog? Can you watch my kid? Like any of those, like I'm available to help. I'm available to spend more time even with citizens, with students. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm available to have more time to you know, when a student comes to my office and I can chat with them, like, I don't have to worry about, like, getting home at a certain time, or if I have to feed a kid, or if I have to, like, you know, be there for my husband, like, I could just do what needs to be done in the moment, and, um, but the downside of that is when all of the people that you're friends with are also married people, it gets it to be a tendency that it starts to feel like that's how they see you too. Like you're just their babysitter, you're just their house sitter, you're just this person that's available. And so I have to work through that of like making time where it's like I need to um, reach out to those people in a friend matter, like hey let's go to coffee, like hey let's talk so that I don't feel like that I'm just somebody that can get stuff done, but that I can build relationships with people um, as well as be useful when I need it. Yeah, I think it's difficult when you don't have someone to share the burden of daily life with. Um, you know, I have to cook my own dinner. I have to, you know, I have to, you know, hold myself accountable. I have to, you know, if I have to struggle, I have to call a friend and wait for them to call me back versus like being able to walk home and be like, this is what I'm dealing with today and this is what I'm struggling with and having that conversation face to face. Um, some of my biggest mentors, um, again, I speak to them on the phone because they don't, you know, live near me or by me. And, and so I feel like I'm, a lot of what happens when you're single is learning how to essentially carry life by yourself, and that can be a struggle sometimes. Yeah. Courtney, I love that question because a lot of times I feel like, and I even remember this in my singleness, we, we can create this dichotomy again of, man, my life is on pause, and I'm just waiting until I get married, because that's when life really starts. But there, and I love your guys' answers, There's it's not singleness is bad, and marriage is awesome. There's a part of, like, when you're single, there's a way that you can serve Jesus, mm -hmm. like in, in such a, in a rich and meaningful way that you don't continue to do when you're married, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's not good versus bad; it's just different. There's ways that you can serve Jesus in your singleness that you can't when you're married. And I think remembering that, especially for middle school and high school students, right? Remembering, hey, I'm not in the waiting game here. I'm I'm still living for Jesus. Yeah, um, I think that's a really important perspective to have. So, good mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a guest with us. <laughs> Sorry, hey. this is mine. <laughs> Winchester, come here. So, uh, just to recap, if you have just tuned in the last few minutes, um, we're just finishing up our series of Carry On. We've been talking a lot about God's design for marriage, God's design for husbands, for wives, um, for purity as, as single and married people, and, and repentance in the midst of all of that. And so, um, we're diving into these topics, we're covering things that um, maybe didn't get answered. Um, so... Let's go to another question. Um, 
So let's go something, I guess, slightly a little bit lighter. Uh, what is something that you wish you knew in high school about this subject? Why the shame face? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just replaying countless conversations I've had with my senior girls. Um, give me a minute, give me a minute. Okay. I'm trying to sift through the eating scene. <clears throat> yeah. I, I wish I started preparing for marriage when I was in high school, yeah. you know? Like, I thought that was a long way away. I don't have to think about that. And the only thing that I felt like I was taught in high school was, you know, no sex before marriage and, um, and don't date until you're out of high school kind of thing, you know? And um, that wasn't very helpful. I felt like that was, there was a lot more there. And so I wish that instead of people just telling me what to do, that they started teaching me the why and the how and the when and the how to prepare. And um, I wish I had citizens youth. Oh, <laughs> The thing that I really liked uh, in one in your sermon, Sam, is we talked about how, uh, um, like, you know, we talked about how we need to be under authority. We need people like, you know, in this the the sermon about uh, the first man, right, Adam. Like he was given a job before he was given a wife, and like all these things. It was like, like, how do you know how to be an authority? How do you know how to work? How do you know how to be selfless? We'll start being selfless now. Start working now. Start being yeah. under authority now. And I love that because just like we've said, it's not this like, oh, I'm gonna get it all together when I'm married because. Who you are when you say I do is the person that you are the very next day and the day after that. And, and you know, by God's grace, we grow and we change. Um, but why, like, shoot yourself in the foot by starting out more mature? Like, yeah. be mature now so that when, if you, when you're at that point where you walk into that kind of relationship, you are, you've already practiced everything you need to be to be a godly wife or be a godly husband. I <clears throat> wish when I was in high school that I let relationships and my perspective of relationships be a God thing because um, I made the mistake of thinking I could separate God and relationships and it does not work. You know, like um, you're, you either give your life to Jesus or you don't, you know, and it's, it's an all in thing. And if you're going to go all in, you have to give it all, which includes relationships and your perspective. And that really sucks, like, when you want to be dating somebody and, you know, they just don't believe what you believe or, you know, or they're pressuring you to do things that God doesn't want for your life or to, um, or they're holding you back, you know, from the grand things that God wants you to do. So um, it's the hardest choice you have to make, but I really wish I had made that earlier in life. I think I would have, yeah, been able to be more prepared for marriage if I early could have done that earlier yeah i would echo some of what jordan said i wish that i would have um made that clear in my early dating relationships in high school that how much of a priority you know my my faith was and my relationship with christ was um to me and emphasizing that and, and kind of communicating that more up front and saying how how i could help you know them and communicate to them and use it almost um as a, a point that, of growth for me, as opposed to um, letting those relationships just be something that would hold me back from growing mm-hmm. my faith. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you said communicate. I wish I would learned how to communicate before I started dating. Mm-hmm. Like actual, yeah. clear, healthy communication that wasn't clouded by um, what I could see. And, and that brings us to something else that I would want. Um, just being able to invite someone a little bit further down the road who could maybe um, speak to some things that where I am, like I couldn't see. 
Um, in, in my dating relationship or in my relationships in high school in general, you know, someone who's a little bit more experienced, a little bit wiser, you go to your friends and your peers for, uh, for affirmation and confirmation and that's good, but when you're only going to people horizontally that are where you're at, they're only kind of going to see what you see, whereas if I were to go to someone who's down the road, like, like Sam or Jordan or someone who's been in a long-term, you know, relationship or marriage, they might be able to pick up on some things that I'm not seeing because I'm too wrapped up in what's right in front of me or my emotion, you know? And actually listen. <laughs> yeah. 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 I had people speaking to my life, I'm like, you don't know squat. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have maybe tried a little bit harder or, or been a little bit more diligent to, um, invest into my relationships with my own family. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was just disrespectful to my parents. I wasn't a good sibling to my sisters. I was just doing my own thing. And, you know, I was like, well, when I have my own family, I'll just be different, you know? And I'm realizing now as a married man, we've talked about this a ton, as a married person, I'm now seeing tendencies in my, what I do when I come home, the way I speak, the way I, you know, all these things that I go, man, I'm still with Sam. You know, I'm like, yeah. no matter where you go, there you are kind of thing. And so I wish that I would have prepared for marriage, um, and it sounds kind of weird, but by treating my mother better and by treating my father and by treating my sisters, you know, and um, realizing that there would be a lot of carryover in my carry-on bag. Uh, see what I did there? You see what I did. So, yeah, I, I wish that somebody challenged me on that. Cool. Yeah. So let's talk just a couple of practical things. So let's say I am a teenager right now, high school, maybe middle school. I'm watching middle schoolers. Um, What's up, middle schoolers? <laughs> middle school. Um, so you know, what do you do? Maybe you are a Christian person. You there is a gentleman who is a your girl, Christian girl, right? There's a gentleman who's a Christian guy. You like him. He likes you. What do you do? What do you do? Like what? Why do you have to do anything? Yeah. Why do you have to act on every impulse? You know? Yeah, I think we, we talk about this a lot at Citizens, and so at camps we talk about this, even in sermons. But the reality is you're going to have crushes. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have crushes. It's going to change often, probably. You're going to have dynamics and sparks. And so here's what your school, here's what your culture, here's what most of your friends are probably telling you. Oh, you like her? Then do to ask her out. Oh, you like him? Then you should become his girlfriend. And so what we talk about at Citizens is in our culture is that we check these impulses. We check these feelings. And before we act on them, we check them with authority, you know, and we check them with, with Christian counsel and community. And, um, and we believe firmly that when these crushes come along, you don't have to act on every single one, like Kayla said, that you can continue to be friends in groups. You can continue to get to know somebody and respect them. But the reason why we say that is because the way that we teach dating and relationships and marriage is that the point of dating is to find a spouse. And so if I'm not ready to find a spouse, I'm not going to go and holler at that girl in seventh grade and believe that we can be boyfriend and girlfriend for the next 12 years, live in purity, honor Jesus, and, uh, and then one day get married. And so, yeah. I like the checkpoint. Sorry. 
I was going to say, it's the practice of putting God's standards above your personal feelings at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good practice for when you are ready for marriage, because mm -hmm. that's when you'll be putting someone else before yourself. So by practicing now, by acknowledging you're feeling that way, taking it to God, getting on your knees and praying, asking him to help you work through it, submitting to his authority first, it's going to better prepare you when you are ready to make that ultimate commitment. Yeah, and it's not only putting God's will before your own desires, it's also putting that person's best interest in mind. Is the best thing for my seventh grade sister in Christ, who's trying to honor Jesus, is the best thing for me to get in her way and start to you know, flex my muscles and try to get, grab her attention, and I'm texting her you know, at all hours of the night, like... Is that really what's best for my sister in Christ? Nah, it would feel great. That would feel awesome for me. But like we know that we're trying to help each other to live for Jesus. Yeah. I also think that when you jump into you know a relationship at an age before you're ready, it, it's almost counteractive or counterproductive to preparing you for marriage. It actually uh, takes your focus and you start channeling all your focus into trying to impress that one person mm -hmm. and trying yeah. to show them how great you are rather than on focusing on building, you know, good Christian relationships with the people that are around you and, you know, begin, uh, growing your maturity and how you, you know, interact with people around you. Because the reality is when you become married, obviously you still have all these other people that you're interacting with. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like for me, you know, the way I interacted with um, a lot of my friends is, you know, more how I treat my wife now. And so by having dating relationships when I was younger, and I, you know, use those to kind of, like, distract myself from my friends. And now it's almost harder than to kind of get that, that kind of relationship going. You know? Yeah. I've heard it said that you, if you spend too much, if you spend too much time trying to find the person to marry, you're not becoming a person to yeah. marry. You know? yeah. yeah. Plus, if you're, quote, unquote, practicing in middle school and high school dating, you're going to develop bad habits as well. Um, and that's yeah. something important to remember, too. Yeah, and for any of our college students that are listening, young adults, people from The Verge, just even adults, um, the flip side of this is when you are ready to get married and you're, and you're ready to enter into that, that season of dating and getting to know people, it's so much more fun than when you're in 16 and you're constantly trying to hit the brakes and we can't go fast. It's you like to ask your parents if you can hang out. Yeah, you have to ask your mom to drive you to the mall. You know, it's like when you're, when you're ready to enter into marriage, which is what this whole series is about. It's about marriage. It's futuristic. But when you're ready to approach that season of marriage intentionally and getting to know people, um, it's fun. And you can just go because you know that you're ready. You know that you're both mature. And it's a lot more fun. So... We recently went to a marriage conference, and the guy was saying that he doesn't believe that you should date any longer than a year. So he says, girls, if you've been dating longer than a year, break up with him. He's, he's wasting your time. He's wasting your time. And he's like, get on to the next guy who's actually worthy of your time. <laughs> because, you know, you get you t spend so much time investing in something, and it just kind of drags along, and you just need to spend that much more time getting over them and you're like that much less ready to open your heart up again and everything so I think if you think in your mind like I could get married sometime next year then you're probably ready to date mm -hmm. other than that just keep working on yourself and having fun as a mm -hmm. single individual and I mean yeah it's, there's tension in that you know and you guys are single we've all been single there's it's hard to be like carrying those burdens alone, but focus on the fun part of that, I would say. But in the same, oh, I understand that. But I feel like 
when you're in community, when you're in healthy um, uh, friendships and relationships, you're not carrying that burden alone. You know, you're carrying yeah. it differently. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we're not called to carry that stuff alone. Sure. You know, I have uh, married friends, other single friends, um, our teenagers, they've got friends, and if you don't have friends, go make some friends. Because right now, get off Facebook. <laughs> you you make a friend. Make a friend. Maybe wait for the snow to melt. Maybe wait for the snow to It's really frustrating when I realized Sam wasn't my girlfriend as well as my husband. So, <laughs> I'd have been out now. <laughs> that you are concerned about or you start seeing them isolate uh, because they're in a dating relationship, uh, what what do you do when maybe you feel powerless in that situation? How do you, uh, how do you uh, approach your friend with gospel and grace as well as truth? How do you marry those two things? The question. <laughs> so I think the other thing to consider too is you have mentors for a reason within the church so I don't think it's a problem you have to tackle alone if you're really concerned about another fellow Christian in the church yeah uh, I feel like you you should you should almost bring a, a leader in who who that individual maybe admires or respects so that they can speak to him from a position like Kayla was saying maybe a couple steps down the road where they can kind of look back and have that hindsight versus you trying to speak to them as a peer maybe get a leader involved mm-hmm. yeah I think I'll you know we're talking about the hypothetical situation that we've all either experienced or even been that person to where we get into a relationship there's only so many hours in the day so most of our time is now taken away from our normal friends given to this person of the opposite gender and um, we're kind of left in that weird tension. And so speaking to the person who is not in the relationship, speaking to the student um, or the young adult that says, man, I feel left out here, my friend's over there. Um, one thing I would say, you don't want to just, fine, I'll walk away, you know what I mean? Um, because they need you and they need an objective Christian friend in their life that can continue to you know, hold the rope that's attached around their waist as they're diving into the relationship, you know? They need that person that can help pull them back. And so if you pull away from them um, without grace and without understanding where they're going, I I, I don't think that's being a good friend. And so, and again, we're talking middle school and high school, so maybe you're not there yet, but in the future, when you get to that season and you're experiencing those things, um, you want to continue to lean in there and remind them and say, hey, you know, I know that time is busy or, or life is busy and you don't have a lot of time, but I encourage you, continue to connect with me. Continue to keep your friends around because you need us, right? That's one of those tenets of dating that we talk about at Citizens. It's in community, with communication, under authority, and in accountability. And if you're isolating or if your friend is isolating from those things because of a relationship, the relationship isn't going to be successful anyway. So we need to lean in as Christians, have hard conversations, and, uh, and call people on those things. One thing that's been on my heart in regards to that, and it's not just and is not at all just in regards to dating relationships, but I think about, like, Christ's relationship with us and, like, 
we become, you know, when we say yes to Jesus and we follow him, we choose to follow him, there are seasons in our life where it gets dark and it's hard and we start isolating from God. And maybe there's a sin issue and we start hiding. And, and, and Jesus keeps us even when we don't want to be kept. Like, mm-hmm. he holds us <laughs> together even when, even if we're running away from him, even when we, like, want to... Like, it's, like I said, hide our sin and isolate. And, and there's been moments in my life where it's just like, God, I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk. Like, I'm, I'm so ashamed with who I am right now. And then seasons later, I'm like, God, you were there the whole time, and you're with me now, and you've kept me. And, and I think that we have a sense of responsibility to that as fellow Christians. Like, we're going to have friends that are going to maybe be in sin, or they're going to go off in a direction. And, and we prayerfully, of course, but we, we keep them when they don't want to be kept. We say, I know that you're... <laughs> don't want me to like keep you in this community. You don't want me to uh, help you right now, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to be with you. And when you come back, I'm not going to shame you. Like yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for you even when you don't want me, <laughs> you yeah. know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And believing that like as much as you want the best for your friend, um, God wants that 1000 trillion times more. And just, like believing in the power of God in their lives, you know, and believing that when you pray, God is listening, you know, and he's fighting for your friend to make the best decision and that he knows down the road what you can't see here, you know. Yeah, I think it's also important to remember grace and truth when those situations come up. You want to confront your friend with the truth that you're, you're feeling convicted of, but you also don't want to persecute them in that, like, in that decision. So um, I think that's something It's something I know um, LifePoint and Citizens always preaches. Pre- remember to marry those grace and truth together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we have the panel here. I'd love to do some follow-up on some of the uh, sermons that we've preached the last several weeks. And so two series in particular, or two sermons, was the I Take You. And so we talked about what is a man committing to do when he decides to become a husband, and what is a wife committing to do when she decides to become a wife, right, their vows. And so um, one, of the, one of the sermons we talked about, we went through Ephesians chapter 5, and we talked to men. So let's talk about that sermon for a second. Um, and I'd love to hear from, from Chad and even the other ladies. Um, what was your response to the, to the text and to the sermon calling men to consider the high calling of a husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, um, you know, in that passage, and, you know, Sam covered it in that sermon, but, you know, even in light of, you know, the rest of Scripture, you know, there is a high calling. Uh, it is a high standard that husbands are called to um, as head of, the, you know, head of the household and, and to, you know, love and respect their wives. Uh, I think that it's, it's a big challenge. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, for me, it was something that, um, I, I daily struggle with, you know, am I ready for that? Am I, am I capable of that? And it's something that I, I constantly have to, you know, seek, um, seek God and, and reach out to Him and pray to Him to give me that strength um, to be able to be that because it is such a high standard um, that He calls us to. It's not something that I can do on my own. It's something that I need help. Um, I need, you know, other, other guys coming, coming alongside me to help me, help hold me accountable as far as how I'm doing that. I need to be um, seeking feedback from my wife on a regular basis of how I'm doing and, and how I can better meet her needs, how I can better love her and respect her. Um, so I think that it's it's a constant thing that I'm working on. I think it's you know, one of the main takeaways for me is something that I always need to be seeking to get better at and it's something that I always need to be inviting um, critical feedback in, into my life of how I'm 
I'm doing because it's really easy for me to think I'm doing well when, when maybe I'm not doing as well as I could be. It was, yeah, dude, trying to prepare that sermon for a yeah. week. Yeah, that was that was hard, man. What that was were hard. the points were with responsibility under authority? Um, let's, let's talk about that. The, what does that look like? With, with the, the four points. I like that it was for, like, that the husband is first under authority to God mm-hmm. before he ever takes authority over anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know, that's huge. I think it's... Um, it was important to um, talk about that before the next week, which is like the message to wives when it's the big controversy, like wives submit to your husbands. And Wait, it's like, what was that word again? Uh, don't ask it. <laughs> right, like it's a, it's a tough word. It's hard to like process that. But when if you like if the man is truly under authority to God, like it it changes the whole landscape of it. I yeah. think. Um, and it helps to then bring in that second part of like, okay, so what is, what is the wife's role in that, you know? And like for myself, uh, and maybe I'm jumping ahead to that next sermon too quickly, but, um, like it, it really, for a girl, like if you're calling as a wife, if you want to be married someday, and if you're calling as a wife is that you honor God by submitting to your husband, then you better pick a good one to submit to, right? <laughs> like, don't waste your time on these guys that just say nice words but have no substance. Like, if they're sweet talkers but they have zero foundation, and you want to, you're gonna like, and you want to marry that person, you're gonna have to submit to that someday, and you're gonna get bitter and uh, angry in your future when the chips actually fall and the reality comes out, you know. And so it's like, as girls, like, I'm not, you know, I maybe seem like a hard nose when it comes to relationships. It's because like I take marriage seriously in the sense that it's it's for eternity and if it's someone I have to submit to it better be someone who's under authority to God and like has his whole life like under that authority and like becoming more like Jesus every day you know well if you don't and for that if you don't respect him why are you dating him Mm -hmm. you know what I mean if you hear him say things and you you know just dismiss it or you know he's joking and oh that's cute you know why are you practicing for marriage with someone that you can't respect and don't see yourself submitting to that's not practicing good habits and if you practice bad habits you become really really good at the wrong things you know what <laughs> I mean? yeah so two cents but I would say for um, as a female being married to a husband that can uh, submit to the authority of God then submitting to your husband in that there's joy in that because it's the design that God has for marriage um, Whereas when you have to submit to your husband to bring glory to God despite your husband, which was one of the things that you had said, um, it is just such a challenge. You know, it could be such a challenge. Um, thankfully, I have a husband that can I think there's such a, a joy in in uh, submitting to the truth of of Jesus and what God's designed marriage to be. If both uh, spouses are um, following that, but yeah. it's hard when you're when a husband wouldn't come under the authority of God or doesn't take responsibility, whether you know those couple things that were yeah. in that sermon, that then becomes quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Were there any misconceptions that were clarified um, when we actually got into the text? Because we think of we hear words like submit and we think of ancient you know, chauvinistic, hierarchical kind of, you know, marriage relationships. But when we actually got into God's word and started looking through that text, 
were there were there any things in that text that you go, wow, that's that's actually a lot different than the caricature of submission that we paint sometimes in culture, ladies in particular? Well, we were talking about the difference between like women submitting to men and wives submitting to their husbands. Yeah, like that's a big one. women are not beneath men. There's like there is no like lesserness. It's just a practical running of the household that God put, you know, into place yeah. where one husband and one wife are in a partnership that look like a submissive wife to a responsible and loving husband. And so I don't need to go to Chad and ask him anything. <laughs> like I <laughs> sorry Chad. <laughs> But with Sam, like, I listen to what he says. I follow his leadership, and um, I challenge him to be praying because, you know, if he's not, then, yeah, um, that gets hard. But, um, yeah, does that kind of... Yeah, well, Sam, about when, talk about when you preached, you, you clarified something that has always kind of pricked me. It's not that, you know, women, you are subservient to all men. It's... In uh, in the scripture, it's talking about a very very specific uh, relationship context. It was yeah. God's design for marriage, not necessarily God's design for men and women in general. Mm -hmm. It's in in the home, wives submit to your husband, and I loved that because that was something that for me, where I'm like, okay, well, that's why in this in this phase of my life, in this uh, packing my carry on uh, stage. I can pack things that will help me identify someone that I think I would like to submit to. You know, that I, I know that I can submit to, to a man of that character. Um, and these things that we're learning um, in Citizens right now in this series, like, they equip young women to find someone um, who's worthy of that, of my submission, you know what I mean, as honor to God. Um, but if I'm packing my standards, I can take it out when it's time and be like, hey, <laughs> measuring tape. sorry, yeah. <laughs> you fall here, you know? And all of these sermons, you guys can go on uh, our website, you can go on the Citizens Youth Podcast and listen to any message from this series um, to kind of rehash what we're talking about. But the way that we define submit, remember, we're de yeah. I define it as recognizing and honoring someone's authority, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is that we all submit. Every single person submits to an authority, which simply means leadership. Every single one of us has to honor and recognize someone's leadership, you know? Um, at work, it's our boss, you know? Um, and in, in your sports team, it's your coach. And so we're just saying in the context of marriage, we think that that person that has to be a good and godly leader is the husband. And that carries responsibility, not privilege. It carries a sense of weight and, and gravitas, not perks. And so... Um, I think that was huge for me, too, because as a, <clears throat> like, as a individual, I have a strong sense of individuality, or rather independence, like, that I refuse to work with no one, right? I refuse to submit to no one. And so it's like, even thinking about the word of, like, we are under authority, you know, at the very least, we're under God's authority. So am I a heart that's willing to be under authority? And that's the piece that I'm, like, having to check is, like, do, like, can I call God Lord? Like, can I submit to his authority? And then are there other leaders in my life, other authorities in my life that, like, are under God's authority that I need to, like, 
consider their authority and submit to in those areas. And so it's like more of a checking of my heart to me of like, am I so God to myself that I'm unwilling to be under authority? Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that like, that's the red flag for me before marriage even comes into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sam also brought up a good point during that sermon um, where submitting doesn't mean you have to conform your opinion. Right? You're allowed to have an opinion, you're allowed to voice your opinion, but it's recognizing that authority. I don't always agree with my boss, I don't always agree with my parents, but that doesn't mean that when they make the ultimate decision, I'm not going to respect that and follow mm-hmm. that decision. You know, I can voice my opinions even if they're different. That's, you know, meekness, or weakness, what is it? Meekness is not weakness, I Correct. think is what it says. So, um, To clarify too, submissions should not... I think in a healthy relationship shouldn't be like um, like a husband shouldn't be going around do this and submit do this do this do this you shouldn't have to feel the burden of submission all the time um, if you have a godly husband um, it's it's just a role you know it, it's not like does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. want to clarify what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, basically what you're saying to be the leader in your home doesn't mean you're the commander. It doesn't mean that you're a, a army captain or drill sergeant. To be the leader means you have your family's best interest in mind yeah. and you have the responsibility to lead them accordingly. And so when your wife comes alongside you and says, I will follow that leadership and I'm going to, to trust you, like Kira's saying, part of that honoring is also chiming in. God gave um, spouses each other because two heads are better than one. And so submission doesn't mean be quiet and, and only speak to only speak when spoken to. Submission is, hey, let's put our heads together, let's collaborate. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out here. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna trust yeah. your decision. Um, I think another another thing to clarify, and this is probably the biggest point of contention with culture and feminism and, and all these things that kind of look down on the biblical view of manhood and womanhood, is that every time we have these conversations, we need to talk about the why. And here's what I mean by that. If you're having a conversation with someone, be it Christian or non-Christian, and you're talking about the role of manhood and womanhood, and you're trying to define terms like submit and leadership without addressing the why, you're already wrong, right? Because here's what happens. You want to talk about women submitting to their, to their husbands, and in reality, in your own heart, why are you talking about that? Because you want to, you want to be in a position of power. You want women to know their place. And so if we don't check our heart where this is coming from, that's why we're going to be in contention, I think, and, and why we're going to cause reactions such as the feminist movement and all these things uh, uh, because they're reacting to the, you think we're not equal. But if we have these conversations with the big picture, why? Why submit? Why lead your, your wives like Christ? Because this is God's design. And so ultimately, every conversation about manhood and womanhood is ultimately about the lordship of Jesus, not about our preference, not about what perks I'm going to get, not about what lifestyle I want to live. It's almost as if my spouse becomes a way through which I can now honor Jesus, which is the goal of my life, is it not? Mm-hmm. My, your husband or your wife, it's like um, Andrew Murch, our lead pastor, I remember he said a few years back, it's like you're boring a hole through your spouse. And it sounds way more graphic than it is, <laughs> but it simply means they're a means to a greater end, a more glorifying, meaningful life com- com- uh comprising goal and and that's to honor God and so all of this talk all of those sermons were us wanting our students one day to have God glorifying marriages deeply soul satisfying relationships that show the whole world that's what God is like and that's who our God is and that's that's really the goal
So to re-emphasize, choose well. <laughs> you get one choice. You got one job. <laughs> one choice, single people. There, there's, yeah. a book, there's a book called The Sacred Marriage that yeah, points that out cool. where they speak about like, well, you know, marriage is supposed to be the closest uh, we can get to an example of God or of Jesus and his church and the self-sacrifice that requires. So if you're going to pick the most self-sacrificing relationship you can, you better choose someone you, you can get along with that you would like, because it's the old, I mean, if you get to choose, you might as well choose someone that's going to lead you to victory, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Someone who's like-minded in that mm -hmm. mission, I like that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk, we got about eight minutes here, eight to ten minutes. Let's talk about what should a student's relationship with older married people look like? Uh, existing. <laughs> Number one, do it. Next. <laughs> um, one thing we talked about, and we've talked about it a lot, is like at this last summer camp, we had a lot of moms out. You know, yes. Jordan, you were there with Micah, and we had a lot of moms and babies and kids running around, and um, it was cool because for people who, like, if you're a student and you're not around, like, let's say you don't have a family member that is that has kids or that are, you know, other than your parents, if you don't know any other married people, like it's sometimes you don't even, you, you don't get to see the gospel on display in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to see that, to be able to witness that, to look at, um, you know, the way that Jordan and Sam and, and Mike all interact or way, you know, the, uh, these other families and couples interact, um, to be able to see that you not only see their, their, the gospel on display literally in their very everyday lives. Um, but you get a picture of, you know, not perfection, but perhaps a healthy relationship and a healthy family that you don't see on, on Facebook, <laughs> that you don't see on Snapchat, that you don't see uh, on, in our culture, you know, and, um, and it, it trains us, like, I want to be like that. Like, I see the way that, you know, that Sam serves Jordan or that um, the way our, the, the men in our church serve their wives, and I go, that's good. Like, mm -hmm. I want a guy like that. Or I see the way that, you know, the wives treat their husbands and the way that they love them. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should be like that. Or the way that they're patient with their kids. And you're like, that's what I want to be. There's a, there's a goal to aspire to. And if you talk to them, like, go get them coffee or hang out with them, they'll talk to you about that. And, like, how, how do you do that? And how do you become more like Christ? And they'll guide you through, you know, those stages of life. So. Yeah, I think that's an important point. Is if you, if you see you know a married couple doing something, you ask them, you know, ask them how how they handle the situation, or ask them you know how they you know relate to each other and that kind of thing. Don't just stand at a distance and kind of wonder why you're seeing something. Yeah. Go up and ask them about it. Yeah. And I think I, I know I speak for Chad and Chelsea as well as my wife and I. But as married couples, we love hanging out with single people. And so I know a lot of times there's that weird, well, I don't want to be a third wheel or I don't want to be obtrusive. If you're a student and you see a youth staffer who's married and you want to hang out with them, you invite yourself over. You ask them to buy you or make you dinner and you say, Sam said so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, right? On the spot. But that's, that's the reality. That's what we're here. And so every single youth staffer, we know First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, right? Where we loved you not only to share the gospel with you, but to share our very lives. And so you are invited middle school students. You are invited high school students. Come into our lives. Rope yourself into our homes and into our marriages. Um, because the lessons that you'll observe, the lessons that you'll not just be taught, but the ones that you'll be caught. <laughs> the ones, some things are taught, some things are caught, right? The lessons that you'll catch and observe, those are the lessons that will stick with you forever. And uh, I know that's how it was for us. Definitely. So. I think an important thing to remember is that these relationships aren't supposed to be in isolation. They're supposed to be done in community. Yeah. So by 
surrounding yourself with a community that gives you good examples, like Sam and Jordan, like Chelsea and Chad, that helps you so that you do know what the standard is supposed to look like and are not just idolizing an image that you don't have an actual, like a practical example to follow. Also, don't limit yourself to one couple. Like if you yeah. if you pick a couple and they're not, you know, available or they're busy in a busy season of their life, don't feel like that's your one couple because you can learn so much from so many different kinds of relationships. There's so many things that different people, um, relationship types, personality types have to offer. Um, this is your time to learn. This is your time to put things into your carry-on case. Um, and different people will, will show you different parts or different things that you can pack in there, you know, that will work for you. <clears throat> I would say find someone that you trust, someone that, um, that you're willing to hear the truth from, uh, because finding, finding a couple that can give you that truth, um, but if you're not willing to listen or you're not willing to put that in your bag, um, that there's there's not a whole lot of as much benefit in that. Um, so if you're willing to sit down with someone and actually take the hard truth, um, and hard truth and good truth, uh, that can be so beneficial because at some point in your life, when you're older and married, um, your marriage can then be an example to uh, other people that are younger than you. Yeah. So it's just carrying on a, a sense of discipleship um, that you're taking from here and, and passing on eventually. In one of our last sermons at Citizens, we talked about purity. And we talked about one of the most important things that you can do to prepare for your marriage is by fighting for God's will in your life now, which is your sanctification. And we talked about sexual purity. And at Citizens, we bust the myth, and we do this every single week, we bust the myth that a few individuals struggle with sexual purity while everybody else is sitting there, you know, rooting for them. That's false. Every single middle school and high school student is in a war, and they are fighting for purity. And so what I want to do is rapid fire here. Let's go around, and I want you to share with students the single most important thing, or one single thing, um, that they can do to continue their fight for purity. Um, and again, the goal is not simply be pure so you can get married. The goal is be pure because this is God's will for your life. And so how, what can we do to help all of our students who are struggling with sexual purity? I mean, I know my, the biggest thing that's helped me is just seeking accountability, um, both from a peer and from a mentor. Um, it's, it's critical um, for me in my life. Good. Uh, I guess I would say like, that what you were saying is understanding, really understanding why you're remaining pure. It's not just a rule that you have to just meet, but remaining pure is, is there. God said it that way, and we are to follow that because that's the design for it. If you go against the design that God set for marriage and sexual sexuality and sexual purity, um, it doesn't work. And so when you go against it, it might there might be a satisfaction for yourself at that time, but it doesn't glorify God and, um, and you're just setting yourself up for failure. So, um, And to piggyback off of that, if you made a mistake, if you've ever made a mistake, if you've ever... Um, messed up or failed. Grace is such a real thing. Yeah. Um, find yourself a community where grace mm -hmm. is a real thing, where yeah. it's safe, yeah. where you can talk, you know, to people that understand and mm -hmm. not only extend like their forgiveness or understanding to you, but God's love and forgiveness and grace yeah. and understanding to you. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Mm -hmm. But it's counterintuitive because when you mess up, you want to withdraw from community. Right. Yeah. But when you're in a community of grace, like we are at Citizens, 
Nobody's going to give you the eyebrows, right? Nobody's going to go, oh, you know, it's going, hey, this is why Jesus came. And so we'll, we'll walk with through you. Yeah, great one. I think uh, taking it seriously, don't take it lightly. Just like Chelsea said, if you know what's on the line, if you know why you're being pure, um, take it seriously. And what I mean by that is, like, if you know that, like, you mess up when you're scrolling through random Instagram pages, don't do that. <laughs> like, delete the Instagram off, app off your phone. Like, take it seriously. Yeah. If you know that there's a certain time of day, like, if you get on your phone after 10 p.m. and you know that's when it goes bad, like, put your phone away. Plug it in in the kitchen. Put it on Do Not Disturb. Like, know the moments when you are weak and be taken seriously and you none of us none of us are above sin and to think that you are is to already fail and so take it seriously and take action right the bible says flee not don't avoid sin it says Salt flee like run in the opposite direction <laughs> walk slowly yeah. Just, exit. yeah just block your eyes at your leisure yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's, again, it's, it's so important to be rooted in a community that can extend both that grace and truth because if you're in a community now when it's, you know, not necessarily your weakest hour, you can grow those roots strong so that when your weakest hour does come, you can turn to those people for support. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you're, if you're trying to do it on your own, you're, you're, you're going up against an army, right? The, yeah. the, the devil brings an army to you in order to, to make, make you fail, cause you to stumble. So you, you, you need that community at your back to help support you in your times of struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even like addictions and things are super real, you know, and it against or this other person who's involved, whether that be online or in person or whatever, um, it's it's God, you know, that, that you're sinning against, that you're cheating on, however you want to say that. So, yeah, take it very seriously and, and be truly repentant mm -hmm. especially, towards that. Yeah. Especially in a culture that takes relationship, sexuality very lightly. Right, yeah. right. And I would yeah. say the final, the final piece of advice for all of our little brothers and sisters out there um, fighting the fight, you, you got to run towards something, not just away from That's something. So true. Yeah. And a lot of times people get this mm, willpower, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And it's like, what's the point at that point, you know? Yeah. But when you realize that, like, the pleasure of, 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 of sin and the pleasure of, of premature things and all these things, that that pales in comparison to the joy and to the satisfaction of being right with God, of living a life that's pleasing to Him, of experiencing His nearness and His presence. You know, the Lord uh, is near. Who will see God? The pure in heart. They, will, they shall see God. And so when you start to run toward the pleasures that are in Christ, which are just major league compared to the, the Bush League pleasures of sin and the world, um, your heart starts to change. And I think it's through those things, it's through the promise of life, of eternal life, the promise of blessings that God expunges, which is a fancy word for me, he, he purges those sinful desires out of our heart as he transforms it and as those good pleasures start to outweigh those bad ones. So don't just run away from sin. Run toward God and the riches in Christ. I think that's that's huge. Yeah. So so that's about it, guys. Do you feel was that good? <laughs> Give it up, Facebook world, right? And so that concludes And so and so that concludes our carry on series. Again, you can catch every message that we've preached over the last seven weeks um, on our website on the Citizens Podcast on iTunes or the Android, Android store. 
Um, and so you can check it out. Next week at Citizens, we have our annual Ugly Sweater Christmas competition. And so grab your ugly sweaters. Come out for a night of fun, games, food. Our student leaders are going to be hosting. Shout out to the student leaders. And so we're going to have a great time. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to the panel. Thank you, guys. And uh, like Merry Christmas or something. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.